We play and call it work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sit and Talk with Luca at Mini Wargaming. Uh, sorry about last week, everyone. I was away on vacation, and I'll open up Streamlabs in a moment, and I'll give you the idea of how that all works. Uh, welcome to this week's Sit and Talk. This is where I sit down live for you, or those of you watching on YouTube later when you couldn't catch it live, I'm answering your questions. So if you had left comments for me or questions for me on last week's Sit and Talk, I will be here answering them, as well as answering questions live. And I would like to remind you that next week is Matthew. That is his sit and talk. So if you want to, ans- if you want to ask him questions, you have to go to miniwargaming.com and leave him questions there on the website, not on YouTube. Those comments should be disabled. And I'll remind you all that later for those who catch on watching live later on. And for those on YouTube, if you don't get that, then you'll just catch it later as well. And, of course, tomorrow is Chris's Painting Auxilium. It's uh, his live show where he paints, and he, has- he answers questions as well. It's kind of-, kind of like his own personal sit and talk where he actually is more productive than I am on my sit and talk. And I'm going to open up Streamlabs now. For those of you who know how it works, you put in the command, exclamation mark ask, and then space your question, and then they're going to pop up here on screen for me, where I can then answer your questions, and hopefully I won't go into too much, well, I'll go into as much detail as I can, but uh, I tend to ramble and it kind of prolongs the show a lot. So I'm going to try and keep this to an hour. And uh, one thing I want to note is if you ask me a question, I keep saying answer me a question. If you ask me a question over here, try and keep the question more concise and shorter because it can only show so many characters. Otherwise, I'll have to kind of go back and try and grab the timestamp. But I guess without further ado, I'm going to go open up the mini Wargaming website and I'm going to start answering questions on here to me. The first question for any of you who are watching and listening just by. a quick interruption there, Luca. Oh, just right. a big thank you to Country oh. Gaming D. Country Gaming. Oh. My man. Uh, yeah, subscribe to Twitch Prime and also G1 Blaster. Subscribe with Twitch Prime for two months. So I have Rob sitting in now. So Rob will be able to jump in and answer any. If you have any questions for Rob, you can throw them out there too and he'll be glad to answer them, I assume. Unless they're too personal. Rob probably hates that. Um, there's no such thing as personal. Let me look up, but thank you. That's fair, yeah. You know, I'm, just, I'm watching over you. All right, well, thank you. <laughs> so we got the first one here by uh, Red Noak. Hey, Luca, are we in for more Apocalypse game? Love the new system. Especially the damage at the end of the round part. Yes. You know what? I wouldn't even be upset if 40k went with damage at the end of the phase. Now, I understand that the whole concept of... You know what? Maybe I wouldn't like that because the whole concept of 40k, when you get down to the nitty-gritty... Sure, there are better units than other units. Uh, there's like clearly better units than other units. Uh, Tactical Marine, Primaris Intercessor. It all comes down to proper targeting and threat elimination when needed. Now, the only issue with that is some armies are just so, or some lists with some armies can be so overwhelming with shooting. On turn one, you can annihilate your opponent, which is lame. And that's never fun. But it does reward those who have a deeper knowledge of the game or, um, or deeper understanding of it that they need to kill certain units right away. And if you shoot at something and it takes damage and it's going to die at the end of the battle round and it can still hit you back, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of that concept. So kind of just ignore what I just said there. That whole 30-second tangent, import, unimportant. Uh, will there be more Apocalypse games? Yes, there will be more Apocalypse games. I just recorded one with David White. I have one, you know what, I have one that I recorded with Chris that hasn't gone out yet. That's like my first one. That one is going to be long. That was Meat Grinder. I am probably never doing that again. But uh, you guys get to at least enjoy that one. And uh, yeah, there will definitely be more Apocalypse games. I'm still trying to find like a good medium for that. Like is it 200 power in the studios or is it like 150 power up in the tournament hall with a proper size table? Don't really know yet. I'm thinking the happy area is 200 power down in the studios. Maybe 250 power, and that's per player, so 500 in total or 400 in total. If you have all of the armies and the cards already set up, and the tables already set up, and you're good to go right away. Because it does cut down the time. That, that, that I agree with 100%, but it doesn't cut it down to the point with recording to be on the same level as like a 2,000.40k game. Like a, an 8,000-point game of Apocalypse with the new Apocalypse rules, third edition, I think it's the third edition Apocalypse rules, still take many hours to record. But it's only like an extra hour or two over a normal 40k game at 2,000 points. Or at least in my experience so far. And maybe if I get more used to it, it'll be, uh, it'll be a little bit easier. 
I have a question here on Streamlabs by Zergalurgadurg. Hello, Zergalurgadurg. Welcome to another live show. Glad to see you again. And uh, I, I did recognize your uh, question coming up next. And I like that you do that. You, you... He's gotten good at this. So he puts a pretty basic sentence. Hey, Luca, how are you doing? I thought I asked you a question. And then he puts like 10 space bars. So his space is all the way down. And you have to click read more to see what it says. And it's like an entire novel. And uh, I really appreciate that. I 100% love that. That's their Lurgatory. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> we got, hey, Luca, what do you think of the newly announced Battle Tomes for Age of Sigmar? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I know it was not, Cities of Sigmar was one of them. It's got the beautiful greatsword model or the art on, t on the cover. I think everyone's loving the art for that. That is amazing, by the way. The Cities of Sigmar, very excited for that, obviously. I've always liked regular human beings in these fantastical game settings. So I love the Imperial Guard, the Astra Militarum in 40k. I love the free people in uh, Age of Sigmar as well. I actually don't play them that much, though, but I, I really do appreciate them. And I'm pretty sure it's going to cover things like regular dwarves, uh, Dwarden, maybe it's how they're, what they're called, and the elves as well. But it's like spelled A-E-L. V-E-S. But yeah, the elves, the people, and the dwarves. I'm, as far as, I, did, I was on vacation when I came out. I only glimpsed that, and I haven't seen too much more information on it other than that. And I'll be honest, I can't even remember what the other one is. If someone can leave a, com a question here or like maybe say something in chat what the other one is, and I can tell you how excited I am about that one, because I actually might not be that excited. I'll be honest, what I'm mostly excited for in Age of Sigmar is a new Death Army, and that specifically being Soulblight. Uh, I want to see... Soulblade be a thing. I want I want my infantry vampire. I want heavily armor, heavily armored vampires on foot. I want more to the line other than Vargas and Blood Knights. And I would like to see more unique characters. I would I would love to see them flesh out a vampire model line. I think that would be really cool because Games Workshops had some pretty impressive vampire models in the past. Uh, but you know, I'm very excited for the Cities of Sigmar. The, the, I know they announced another one. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was just Sylvaneth. Maybe a Sylvaneth. I know, and I know they're talking about ogre, Ogres coming out as well because they released that new Tyrant model. And obviously they've been talking about the Ogres coming out for a while. And it's about time that we got more Destruction Armies. I know they released the Git Mob Gits or the Gloomspite Gits recently, but that was just one battle tome for Destruction. And I can't even think of the previous one before that. Like just rehashes of the Iron Jaws or the Beast Claw Raiders, which came out in like first edition when I got a general's handbook. <laughs> it, it, they need more destruction stuff, so I'm happy to see that the ogres are going to be getting rules. Uh, the next question is going to be by Schwenglevonwitz. What do you think about the new <laughs> New Age Sigmar books? Also, do you think vampires will get their own book? <laughs> Why are Blood Knights $100? Okay, well, I answered the previous two questions. Uh, um... What do you think vampires will get in their own book? Okay, well, I'll go, maybe I'll go into slightly more detail on that one. I think they would get these two things. I would think they would get infantry, very elite vampires, infantry, like really expensive, something on the line of like Hearthguard Berserkers for the Volkite, uh, for the Fire Slayers, where they're just heavily armored. They're very, uh, they have like uh, extreme martial prowess. They probably have the hunger built into them and stuff like that. And then I would expect them to get something akin to zombies or free people in the form of vampire thralls. So these are humans that willingly kind of sacrifice their bodies to feed the vampires, and they are enthralled in the armies as well, as they act, and they act as kind of the meat of the army, literally meat shields that they throw out in front of people, and um, very low skill. We're talking about like hitting on fours or fives, like very cheap costs, very inefficient troops. No, sorry, very efficient troops, but very lackluster when it comes to combat. I'd love to see something like that. I love armies that have things like that. I'm thinking that like Beastmen, have Ungorth, which are pretty poo. Uh, undead have zombies, which obviously they work really well in a big blob of 40 guys because, I mean, it's really hard to stop 40 of anything in this game. And uh, what else will they get? Uh, it's, it's hard to say on the other aspects of it. It could be weird vampiric, like mutated vampires, vampiric creations. Uh, that's all up to Games Workshop's creativity in that regard. And I would like to see just more characters other than just Vampire Lord. It could be Vampire Wizard, Vampire Warrior, maybe a combination of both. I'm not too sure. In that regard, I'll leave that all up to Games Workshop. I would like to see those two units. So Vampire Thralls and just Vampires on Foot would be super cool for me at least. And why are Blood Knights $100? Well, I'll be honest, when, or Blood Knights, when Blood Knights first came out, pretty sure they were $100 American always upon release. And then they were 125 Canadian. And I, I just don't think they've ever changed. That's, that's just been the, the main line for the Blood Knights. Don't ask me why there's so many dollars. 
email games workshop. It's just been like that for the last, what, 15 years or something ridiculous like that. At, at this point, they're actually just, they're technically going down in price because inflation's going up, but they aren't. So, I mean, I could be wrong. They could have been cheaper, but I'm pretty sure they've always been that cost when they were initially released. I'm getting a nod in the corner from someone who wouldn't be very familiar with that. So, uh, yes, I do recall them being very expensive when they came out. The next question, I'll do one more here, then I'm going to jump over to the website again. This is uh, K. Brohem, Mr. The Dice. Mr. Last Sit and Talk. Did you see anything at E3 that you are hyped for? Uh, you missed my, did you miss my Last Sit and Talk last month, or did you miss it like last week? Because I didn't do it last. Actually, you probably missed it last month. Did I see anything at E3 that interested me? The answer is yes. The short answer is yes. The long answer is, but I can't remember what it was. So it didn't interest me that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say other than that? There was, I remember, oh, I remember it being like one of those, finally they're doing this. But honestly, that was like it. It's, it's been something I've been probably in the back of my mind that I'm thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind for them to do something like this or something like that. But I guess, to be fair, if I can't remember it, then nothing really excites me that much. I'll be honest, I am very excited for World of Warcraft Classic to come out. Though I think it's like uh, a rose-tinted uh, glasses kind of situation in my regard uh, for me there. I've been playing World of Warcraft since, since it was released, uh, on and off, of course. I stopped playing after Wrath of the Lich King, which in my opinion was its height. Uh, that's when World of Warcraft was its best at its peak. They announced World of Warcraft Classic a while ago. I've been getting myself hyped up to go back then to play. That was from there to Wrath of the Lich King was my favorite time to play the game. Now, World of Warcraft Classic, incredible imbalance when it comes to the classes, but that's fine. Just play one of the good classes. Easily solve that there. The rest is amazing. It was a, it was a really good game. Uh, and if you want to suffer through the bad classes, then and that's a that's an adult decision that you're making. Uh, I, I myself prefer some of the, I like some of the bad classes as well. But anyways, I've been so excited for World of Warcraft Classic, I'm kind of blind to anything else coming out. And it's, you know, maybe I'm getting older, maybe I just like these older games, because Warcraft 3 Reforged is coming out. It's literally Warcraft 3, one of my favorite games that's ever been released, being reskinned and re-released. It said summer 2019, I don't think they've officially released the date for that one, but... If it's coming out summer 2019 and World of Warcraft Classic is coming out August 27th, they're going to be coming out pretty close together. So it's going to be like living back in 2004 for me because that's when I played nothing but Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft. So that's all I'm going to be doing again when they're both released around the same time. That's going to be great. I'm very excited for that. Back at the, yo, hey, back at the, that was 15 years ago. That was a long time ago. Fifteen years ago was it? Come on, 50, come on, uh, for any, okay, maybe if you're 80, 15 years ago isn't that long ago. I'm not saying you're 80, but for an individual who is 80, 15 years ago could have been a, a stone throws away. But for someone who's like 40 to 50, 15 years ago is still pretty significant, I got to imagine. You're lucky you saved it there, Luke, because I was ready to pick up a pen and throw it at you. Thank Just you. saying. Thank you. 15 years is a pretty significant amount of time, guys. I mean, 15 years ago, I was 13. <laughs> so, okay, for me, maybe that's a bigger scale of a uh, difference then. Sure, it is. But no, for E3, uh, I was excited for something, got trumped by Classic. Pretty sure. Though I, I, I think the announcement for Classic was before E3. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. Okay, Zergalergaderg, I am ready for your large question. I'm glad you're here to listen to it. Ooh, here we go. Okay. Oh, you know what? It's about the average size. Oh, it goes back to Colin. Colin's not here. Colin's upstairs doing something. Good morning, Tara. Today on Good Morning, Tara, we are coming to you nearly live via Astropath from Mini Wargaming's bunker. We are joined by that cat-loving, dice-rolling, lunch-munching man who brings those annoying armies that makes everyone go, ugh. Mr. Luca, 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 Luca. This episode of Good Morning, Tara is brought to you by the fine people over at Papa John's Rock Cakes. When you're traveling through the warp, serving the Emperor and bringing his light to the corners of the galaxy, the one thing you don't want to worry about is a subpar dessert. Right. <clears throat> well, you don't have that problem, because you brought along your Papa Johnson's Rock Cakes. Made from the finest secret ingredients in a secret location, these will give you the paranoia and untrusting nature of one of the lion's own sons. Each Rock Cake has super secret prize at its center. Just make sure you don't tell anyone, or they'll know. Papa John's Rock Cakes, they're good enough to fall for. Just make sure you don't. Pretty creative stuff, guys. I like this. Okay, Luca, the people have many questions. Let's get right to it. Boom, 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 boom. 
What's your opinion on the announcement of the Eisenhorn TV show being developed? Yes, are you kidding me? No matter how, no matter if it's really bad, and it's probably years out, probably one or two years out, very excited. So Eisenhorn was the first uh, 40K novel series I actually got into when I started, when I got back into reading and listening to books. I was like, humming a hand, do I go the Horus Heresy? Do I go some like maybe new 40K stuff? I'm like, you know what? I want to go with Gaunt's Ghost, which is an amazing series I've heard, but it wasn't on the app. I was, it, wasn't, it wasn't on Audible. So I couldn't listen to it. There was one, there was Warmaster, but that was like the 14th in the series or something like that. So I just wanted to, I'll go, I'll go to Gaunt's Ghost one day when I can get them all on audiobooks. I decided to go with Eisenhorn because I heard great things about that and it was amazing. I loved the Eisenhorn series. Uh, There's so many good characters. Eisenhorn himself was a really great character. Even He, he had, he, he sort of had that, mm, I don't want to compare him to anyone, but anyways, he, he wasn't like a full of character character, he was a very serious individual, and if you're not familiar with the Eisenhorn series, is it follows the Inquisitor Gregor Eisenhorn from his early career of, as an Inquisitor, I think he becomes an Inquisitor around 24 to 28 years old, and up until the fourth book where he's, I don't want to spoil too much, he's old, he's like 400 years old or more or something like that. Or maybe he's like 350 to 400 years old, I can't quite remember, but it, 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 it follows his whole career and all the companions and all like the team he builds and the team he loses and stuff like that. It's it's a really good series. So they announced a TV show, and I think Eisenhorn is a good stepping stone into the Warty, uh, Warhammer 40k universe in modern day television because it is it can be. It's a lower scale of 40k. It's not grand space battles. It's not grand space marine battles. It's it's literally uh, it's a thriller. It's intrigue, and it's something cheaper to make as opposed to something like the Horus Heresy, which would cost way too many dollars way too many dollar reduce so this is a good stepping stone into it for people to see how popular it is and then maybe they can take on more ambitious projects in the future um what other 40k characters would you want to see get the same treatment well i would love to i've always wanted to see the horus heresy become a tv series not a movie unless it was like a very long movie series something like the avengers but i mean the Avengers, so like the Horus Heresy isn't nearly mainstream media as the Avengers. Like, I don't think anything is as mainstream media as the Avengers is right now. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to justify spending that much money on a niche hobby uh, narrative. I would love to see the Horus Heresy get put into a television series, though. That would be amazing. Uh, currently, I just finished Angel Exterminatus, uh, which is the story between Protorabo and Fulgrim hunting down a doomsday device. But, I mean, the story definitely... No spoilers. It was a pretty good book. It was long, though. I listened to it on audiobook. I think it was like 18 and a half hours long, where normally the books are like 12. So it was, it was a lot more to it. I think it was like three books, actually, kind of like all thrown together in a collection. Anyways, uh, the announcement on the TV show, obviously very excited. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as I said, it was one of my favorite books. 40K characters have seen the same treatments. Characters. I guess I should answer characters. Uh, I don't really know about characters, actually. I'm... I can't think of Ravener. I thought the Ravener series was really good, but Ravener's connected directly to Eisenhorn, so they could easily do a Ravener spin-off series. Ravener was one of his uh, acolytes, not acolytes, um, oh, underlings. I can't remember the term. Oh, you know what? I can't remember. Oh, I know what it is. It's an Inquisitor. You're, the title is Inquisitor, and then you are, before you're an Inquisitor, you are a... Oh, well. Sorry, boys. Lost it. But yeah, Ravner was uh, Gregor's second in command, or he was, he was teaching him how to become an Inquisitor, and then Ravner obviously becomes an Inquisitor and goes off and does his own stories, and bad things happen to Ravner in the Eisenhorn series, so it makes him interesting. Uh, with the announcement of Season 3 of Warhammer Underworlds, what faction would you like to see come into the game? Any particular models? Okay, well, that's a fair question. Uh, obviously, I would like to see... Well, I guess... I would like to see a Soulblight faction come in, Vampires. I, maybe you get the theme here. I love death, and I specifically love vampires. I've always loved vampires. If, if I choose between werewolves and vampires, it's obviously, vamp obviously vampires. My favorite theme in fantasy was the one super powerful vampire leading an entire army of poo. It was this one 500-point model that would just annihilate your opponent if he could get into the proper position and stuff like that. And the rest of the stuff was literally there just to support him and try and screen things and, tie, and like literally bog things down in pits that never died or never really got anywhere. And then you had your big Death Star with your vampire right in the middle of it, just annihilating everything in his path. 
Uh, I would love to see a Soul Blight team. I would love to see... Oh, an Ogre team would be kind of cool. It would probably just be like a two-man team. I'd probably be a... Ah, a three-man team's hard to justify with them because the Liberators are a three-man team and Ogres are obviously beefier than Liberators, so... But I feel like a two-man Ogre team wouldn't be enough. Ah, it could probably be a two-man Ogre team. An Ogre team would be cool. I would love to see... Uh, the Vampire team would be... a couple Vampires. Probably like a Warrior and a Wizard. And then Thralls to finish them off. Like maybe two or three Thralls to make it a three or four-man team. But then again, the Vampires are probably pretty strong and they're like hero level, so I don't know. That's hard to justify. Um... And then one more thing for them. If I could think of one more team I wanted to include into Shadespire, that would be... I can't think of one right now. Oh, regular human beings! Hey, free people! Or dwarves or elves or like a common... Or you know, even a team of all of them. Like a, like a, uh, like a fellowship from Lord of the Rings, right? That'd be kind of cool, actually, for Shadespire. You know what? And I wouldn't be surprised if Games Workshop didn't do that, now that I think about it. Okay, now we've got week three... Now onto our week three of our Primarch Supremacy Tournament. Each week, we will ask a mini Wargaming team member to pit two Primarchs against each other in head-to-head -head combat with the goal of crowning one Primarch as supreme. All Primarchs in this competition are in their pre-heresy forms. Last week, Steve chose Fulgrim to take out the sneaky, beaky Corvus Corax. Okay. This week, we asked Luca to pit the Lord of Iron... Oh, Perturabo against the Lord of Drake's Vulcan. Oh, that's rough. So, Perturabo's whole thing is everyone underestimates him. And you can see that by his rules in-game. He has got insane rules in-game. He is, like, who's Perturabo? Oh, he's a strength 7, toughness 7 guy with a concussive, blinding hammer. And it's just ridiculous. He's got Forge Breaker. Uh, I think Perturabo would win. Honestly, Perturabo would probably win that fight, hands down. They're both 3-up and vulnerable saves. Are we talking mechanically or lore-wise? Because I think, well, technically Vulcan is a perpetual. and But they're all Primarchs anyway, so... Chances are, like, Vulcan could get annihilated by Perturabo, but Vulcan would just come back, because he always just comes back. So technically, Vulcan would probably win in that regard, but if, if you're talking about fighting on the tabletop uh, um, mechanically uh, in the Horus Heresy game, uh, Perturabo would win. He should win. Now, dice can be dice, but Perturabo should win that match. Perturabo's got Forge Breaker, which is a ridiculous weapon. And Perturabo's whole thing is... He's always underestimated, though he is very, very well, they're all intelligent, but like comparatively to everyone else, he's very intelligent, uh, very smart, very strong, and a uh, great combatant as well. So I think Perturabo would win that one. I don't even have to think about that one that much. I'm hands down, Perturabo. And that's all for today's Good Morning Terra. We now send it over to Cullen with a report on how the Adeptus Mechanicus is now trying to synthesize and distill that most powerful of things. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, and now over to uh, Cullen, but Cullen's upstairs. So over to Rob, technically, uh, which is uh, next one here. We have next question is Tombstone Haymaker. <laughs> nice wrestling. I haven't watched that in a while, but I remember it. Hey, Luca. Haven't seen Kenny that much lately. Was he fired? <laughs> no. Uh, Kenny pulled the classic method of uh, he got a girlfriend and now no one sees him ever. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you out there have or know someone like this. Um, he, he's also, what was it? He's just not as free during the week as he used to be either, just through things he's, uh, involved himself in. So, he still comes and goes every now and then. He's actually, he's, oh no, he was coming up this Saturday, but he got busy helping his dad out. So no, he's just not as free as he used to be. And like I said, he, he, he got a girlfriend and now they're, well, they see each other a lot, so it, it's working out for him. Maybe it's vampires got him, Luca. Maybe it's vampire, what, sorry? The vampires got Kenny. Maybe the vampire's got Kenny. That's what it is. Now here's a question for you. If you if you were if a vampire promised you vampirism, Rob, in the the normal aspect of it, immortality, uh, no sun, uh, but no no weakness to garlic or no nonsense like that. But you know, like magic powers, immortality, ultimate strength. But you know, all that stuff. Would you take it? What well, makes you think I'm not a vampire already? And I'm so old, I can go out in the sunlight. Ooh. I've always liked that too. It's like uh, Anne Rice, actually. That's her interpretation of a vampire. Is that Anne it Rice? Yeah. She, if they get old enough, she said that if they're old enough, they can go out into the sun for periods of time and not get burnt up. I remember that being. I, I used to, when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of True Blood, and that's. I think that's where they derived a lot of that from too. Was like the older the vampire, the more powerful it was physically, mentally. Uh, well, I guess that's the only two attributes really. But yeah, uh, I would. I would choose vampire. I would. Yes, I would love to be a vampire. I don't know where that came from. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Being immortal is a heck of a thing. 
Ah, I'm not wise enough to answer that question. Came out of nowhere though. Sorry, I, I apologize. I got vampires on the mind. It's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I got. I'm gonna do one from the Streamlabs now. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. The next one is gonna be Country Gaming ND. Have you ever been intimidated by putting together slash painting a miniature? I got three nights for quitting smoking. Like, did you get three nights to help you quit smoking, or did you quit smoking and you were rewarded with three nights? Either or is fine. Um, intimidated by putting together... Uh, when I was younger, I got my first Ghost Ark. That was pretty hard to put together, and I... I remember getting halfway through it and I'm like, I'm done with this thing. And then I went back and I finished it. I don't think I'd want to build another Ghost Ark or Tomb Blades even. I hate both those models. Any model given to me that I would be intimidated to put together. No, I'm usually pretty confident when building models, but painting a mini? Yeah. Lots of things. Like, I got Lehman Russ. I was a little intimidated by painting him. Steve actually offered to paint him for me. So Steve painted up my Lehman Russ fully for me, which was super cool of him. And he's an amazing painter, so that worked out really well for me. I owe him build time, though. So it's one of those things. I love building minis. I love converting minis. I love cleaning minis. I love cutting them off the sprues. I like putting them together. I like watching something grow and build. Uh, but painting them, can't stand it. I just don't want to put the time for it to do it. So Steve likes painting, hates building. So it's a good little relationship we have there. I, just, I build models for him, and he paints models for me sometimes. Works out. Uh, but yeah, I was intimidated to paint Lehman Russ. Uh, I, was I bought an, that, that entire Space Wolf army. I, I, I actually... I hit it pretty good. I got pretty far, then I hit a wall, and then I stopped, and I, I ended up sending them off to a commission painter that I liked, and uh, now he's painting them, so I guess technically I was intimidated by finishing them. It just took too much of my time, and I just wasn't doing a good job either. <laughs> I got to, I got to uh, a fine point where I had to start doing uh, a technique I wasn't too familiar with, and I wasn't doing the best job, and I got discouraged, and I gave up and quit, like an adult. Have you ever done that, Rob? Gave up and quit? No. No, but you saying you're an adult, that's... Yeah. No. Yeah. I made an adult decision to stop painting them. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 And uh, spend money on it and uh, get someone else who's much better than I am to do it instead. Uh, Mr. Bacon 72 Greetings, Luca and Rob. If you were to build slash paint any model, what would it be? I'll let you take this one first, Rob, because I got to think. All right, well, it's pretty simple. I like the macabre and everything, so I would like to get a, a miniature of maybe like Freddy Krueger or be cool. uh, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. Like a, not the whole just a standard like 32 mil, but a, a nice size one and put it together and paint it. That's like we're talking like, like something big? Yeah, probably like 18 centimeters, something like that. That's fair. That didn't leave me much time to think about my question, though. My Man, build and paint any models. Ah, see, like when it when it comes to the hobby, there's three aspects, right? There's the playing, building, building and painting, and collecting. I'm always about like I'm like if I had to put percentages into all of them, I'm like 85% playing and like 14.5% collecting and like 0.5% building and painting. Like I don't think I'd be. Ugh, it's more of a chore. This question: if, if I were to build or paint any model, what would it be? Uh, a skeleton. I would love to build and paint a single skeleton, like uh, like a like tiny little leaf. I would, I would kill. I would kill it. That skeleton would look so good. Uh, actually, I, to be fair, I don't mind painting single models uh, of this guy, uh, like uh, what twenty eight mil scale. Uh, I actually painted my Lord of the Rings army recently. I painted, finished up my Death Guard army. Well, I'm missing one model, but if you give me like five models and put them on my desk, I'll I'll do it like half an hour here, half an hour there. It might take six months, but they'll eventually be done. That kind of painting I can enjoy. Uh, currently working on ring rakes, probably the easiest thing I've ever painted, but I've, I haven't been able to do them in one go yet. Next question is by Kroll46. Hi, Mr. The Dice. I'm glad that this name stuck. What is your opinion on the Forge World's Necrons? Um, well, that's a good question. The big stalkers are uh, bad raids. The, the Arkanthrites are bad tomb blades. And the, what else is there? The weird Tesseract, I think it's called the Tesseract Arc, is odd. It's hard to compare it to something. It's like a doom, it's like an Annihilation Barge, but with a little bit more. It's like a Command Barge and Annihilation Barge in one. I actually, I own one, and I haven't ran it, uh, but I know it's not good. And I have the Bomber, the Night Scythe Bomber. Uh, I know that's not good. I have one. 
never used it. It's, it's bomb is one-time use, and it, it, it has the twin Tesla destructor. It's got the bombs that are one-time use, but you're paying almost double the cost of a night sight for a one-time use bomb that's not that great. So, no, that, that one's not great. The only good Forge World Necron model is the new super heavy scarab thing that came out. And I actually don't have any of those, and the studio doesn't have any of them either. I know that they're good, though. They're expensive, but they put out a lot of firepower. That's the one exception to the bad Necron stuff. I think I, I think overall the Necron Forge World stuff's really bad, unfortunately. Uh, but except for that one big guy, not a huge fan of them. Oh, but how do they like? How do they look? They look amazing. I think they look incredibly cool. I love the Acanthrites. I love the Tombstalkers, and what's the other one? They're the giant centipede ones. The Tombstalker and the Tomb Sentinel, I believe. They're pretty much the same model, but they have different weapon loadouts. I think those are some of my favorite Necron models. They're just a canoptic unit that patrols the tomb world and guards the slumbering Necrons like all the other ones do. Uh, the next question. I'm actually going through these pretty quickly. Miso Miso 82. Welcome back. Luca, as you're a lore man, have you read Siege of Terra yet? What about the Spear of the Emperor by Aaron Dembski Bowden? Bowden. I think it's Bowden, actually. Aaron Dembski Bowden. Thank you. I have not read the Siege of Terror. I want to naturally make my way there, and I just finished Angel Exterminatus, so I'm a ways away, guys. It's like book 20-something of 54, so I still have a... Gr I still got quite a grind to go. Now, I know, I think the Siege of Terror books are written where you don't need to read the rest of the Horus Heresy books, but it helps a lot if you do, I, I assume. I also plan on probably reading the Siege of Terror books when at least four of them are out. It was one of those, like, I want to be able to... I want to be able to start reading them and never stop reading them until all of them are out. Like, I don't want to have to pause in between them. I hate having to pause in between books because I'm too excited for the next one and I hate waiting. And then I kind of forget about it and I lose my excitement. I want to keep my excitement going the whole time. Just a quick shout out there to uh, Dr. Vulcan. He gifted hey. a tier one sub to Daka Flack of Flame. And I just read this too as well. They've given 150 I've gift subs in the channel. That's impressive. Yeah, Dr. Vulcan who is apparently not a real doctor. Uh, so I've, so actually, so you've told me yourself, but uh, I like to imagine you are. Thank you for another gifted sub, and thank you for supporting Mini Wargaming live streaming as much as you have, because, well, without all the support, we wouldn't be able to do this, and I greatly appreciate doing the live this live show. And of course, down the road, the live show could evolve and be much more as well. But anyways, back to the questions. Miso Miso, you're a lore man. Have you read The Siege of Terror yet? Uh, what about The Spear of the Emperor? I have not read Spear of the Emperor yet. I think the next book I'm going to... Actually, I don't even know what the next book is. I literally just finished that book today. I have to pick a new one for my drive home. So I have to remember to do that. And I don't know which one to pick. So if you guys um, if you guys want to look at the chronological order of the Horus Heresy books and let me know what the next one is after Angel Exterminatus. Or let me know what the next five are because I think I skipped it and I went back to it. And um, recommend one for me. And I'll, I'll, I'll literally buy... Whatever the most recommended one is, I will literally buy that and read that on my way home tonight. So I'll let Rob uh, take care of uh, trying to keep track of all that. Thanks, Rob. Uh, K. Broham, you like vampires, but you pick Space Wolves over Blood Angels, LOL. Now, to be fair, I do like vampires, and the Blood Angels are cool. I just never really associated with them with, as vampires. Like, there's the Flesh Terrors, and there is the Red Thirst, and there's the Black Hunger, and I know they're all very vampire-like themed, but I like traditional vampires, right? Um, I just think the Space Wolves are always cool. The Vilka Fenrika, come on, that's a cool name. Um, the, okay, well, to put it this way, when I, when I, I, was, I was humming and hawing, humming and hawing over what Legion to get into, or what chapter, I guess, for 40k. Was it Blood Angels or Space Wolves? Because I like them both mechanically the same. Um, Lore-wise, I went with the Space Wolves because I like them a little bit more. Mostly because I don't know that much about the Blood Angel lore. I haven't gone out of my way to go into it. Uh, I like the idea of what the Space Wolves are. And um, I just chose to go with them. Space Vikings, like, in a way. They're not exactly Space Vikings. They don't go out raiding and pillaging. But, I mean, they have a, they, they have a lot of Scandinavian, uh, like, heritage behind them. Or, like, they, they were based off a lot of Scandinavian ideology and stuff like that, I believe. I would imagine. And I think that, that whole genre of our of our history is really cool. So that's why I also tend to lean towards the Space Wolves. Just to let you know there too as well, look, uh, Crow 46 typed in a Betrayer, Mark of Kelf, Vulcan Lives, 
Unremembered Empire and Scars. Is that the horse heresy stuff you're talking about? Yes, so I've read literally all of those except for Unremembered Empire. I'm pretty sure Unremembered Empire was the next one I was going to read. And um, because it was, was it Scars? I believe it was because they all went over there. The Blood Angels left Cygnus Prime and they ran to McCrag, I believe, because I read Fear to Tread. And that's where that one ends, and they go to McCrag. It's kind of like there's a, there's a culmination of books that all kind of lead up to Unremembered Empire, and I was making my way to Unremembered Empire. I've read all the other ones. I've, I think Mark of Kalf is actually a collection of short stories I haven't read, though. I don't know. If anyone's listened to or read Mark of Kalf, let me know if it's worth listening to. I, I've read and list, or I've listened to the other short story collections, and I've really enjoyed those. So if it's worth going to, I might do that before Unremembered Empire, then listen to Unremembered Empire. Vulcan Lives, I don't know if I'm too interested in Vulcan. I heard... Well, go ahead. Oh, it's just because a Snake Lady has subscribed to Twitch Prime. Thank you, Snake Lady. Two months, and also two as well as Daka Flaka Flame contributed to the Doctor Vulcan Medical School Fund. A hundred. Sick. <laughs> Thank you. The Doctor Vulcan Medical was a medical school fund. Nice, awesome. To get him to medical school, they make him a doctor. I get it. Um, what was I? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, it's okay. I'm going to go to another question. Maybe it'll come back to me. Probably won't. Okay, we have a question here from Army17 on MiniWarGaming.com. Mr. The Dice, greetings from the Southern Hemisphere. Greetings. I was, just, I was just wondering if yourself and possibly others have thought about modifying your filming process. In specific, I am referring to the filming of the movement phase. Personally, I don't know if it really adds anything, and if you just did it as a recap, it would shorten videos up a little, especially the Imperial Card episodes. In addition, it would allow for a little more banter or explanation of thought process for tactics. Either way, love yourself. Keep on keeping on. Now, the whole movement phase thing is something that Matt and Dave have been going back and, like, that's something, like, when it comes to the filming process, the content producers kind of film or follow, a, like, a strict, I don't want to say a strict regime, but, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's an order of operations on how we film our battle reports. Now, they do differ from content producer to content producer a little bit, but... The movement phase is one of the things that we have to record. Uh, do I like to record the movement phase? I like to record important things in the movement phase and discuss why I'm moving certain things. Now, if it's turn one, and I did that in today's game with my army that I'm recording with my guest, uh, I moved, I had my entire army, and I just, the whole army was going to run. So I just said, this is where they start, boom, next clip, this is where they end up, they've all ran. And I, there was only two important things. Two squads had to run towards objectives, and that's all I really noted, that I had to use command points to make them automatically run. Um, I often do that for my first turn. A lot of movement afterwards, after that turn, is usually pretty critical. But it's hard to gauge where it's like, I guess, technically I could move all of my unimportant stuff and then note that they all moved here for no real important reason because it's not important. But usually, these games are won in the movement phase, so every move is really important. So it's important to show off all of these movements. I know it can be boring, especially if you're not really watching and you're just kind of sitting there listening. And it's just like, okay, these guys move here, these guys move here, these guys move here, these guys move here, these guys move here. It's not that important. It's not that exciting to listen to. But the movement phase for me, is, the movement phase in general is really important. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that Matt and Dave have decided or figured out that is very important to record. Uh, unless I'm told otherwise, I'll, I'll probably keep recording the uh, movement phase, at least in the in the fashion that I'm doing it right now. And again, the question here from Big Mikey. Hey, Luca, do you think the Emperor should or needs to die to advance the 40k narrative in a meaningful way? Also, 30k space buffers when? Oh, soon. 30k space buffers soon. I had just shipped off the rest of my models to the commission painter, and he's working on them right now, so he's pretty fast. So ideally, well, I, I don't want to promise any time here. I don't want to put any pressure on them, but... Soon. Much faster than if I was to do it myself. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see one of two things. The Emperor either dies or the Emperor's big surprise is a perpetual and comes back to life through whatever means. It's kind of like one of those, uh, I think I've discussed this before, if the Emperor's killed, then the last fragment of his life will ebb away and then he'll be able to coalesce again and reform to whatever form he is because he's not human. He is literally some sort of entity of the warp. So, well, not of the warp, but we like... I know how the Emperor was formed, but like at this point, he's not human anymore. He's, he is an entity of some sort, and he can just coalesce to any form he wants. He chooses the form he takes just because that's just uh, aesthetically pleasing to anyone who knows him, and it's very humanoid-looking. Anyways, 
Um, for him to come back, he would need to be killed. And if he's killed and he doesn't come back, that's fine too. I would love to see the 40k narrative to uh, advance in any way, shape, or form. They, they, they did a lot. Gilliman came back. And the Blight Wars happened, and then the storyline advanced 200 years. There's that big tear in the galaxy. I can't remember what it's called. And uh, nothing really has changed. It's still impending doom for the Imperium. Chaos on all fronts. Xenos also on all fronts. Woe is man. And <laughs> that's pretty, pretty much it. it. Hasn't really changed all that much. I would love to see... Um, Matt, like, Matt's on the, same, on the same page as me. It's like... Um, advance it either enough... Essentially, how, how, how far do you have to advance the timeline to make 40k change drastically? Maybe 500 years, maybe 1,000 years. Make it so the, uh, there's been a big surge in the Tau Empire. It's huge now. It's expanded. It's actually taken over McCrag, and the Imperium and the Ultramarines are fighting to take back the uh, Ultramar sector, or fighting to take back Ultramar and all that stuff. Or uh, the Necrons could all wake up, or, hey, chaos wins, and uh, now it's just a bleak existence for man. Terra's been lost, and... It could be something awful like that. Like, there's so many things they could do, but I mean, I can understand Games Workshop not really wanting to push the boundaries too much. From my experience working here, being a little more, um, I guess, focused on what Games Workshop is doing, they like to do things slowly. They tend to do the right thing a lot of the time, but it takes a very long time. Now, to be fair, the lore of 40K, it, it takes forever to move. And it's, it's, more, it's been retconned more than it's advanced, I believe, um, in a lot of degrees, especially in the Horus Hairs. They came out, changed a lot of stuff. So, like, a lot of things in the past changed, which means a lot of things had to be retconned in, like, current 40k lore. Um, I think, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's fine just stagnant how it is, and the game is just fun how it is, and we're just constantly playing this one timeline that the idea is it never really changes, and we're just we're just struggling over this one conflict, or, like, there's these multiple conflicts. And, like, maybe the storyline advances, and, ooh, humanity wins, and there's no chaos anymore. They somehow told all humans to not worship the gods. That probably wouldn't happen. Chaos. Chaos, ideally, humans can never win because if humans still exist, humans want to worship some sort of deity. The chaos gods are there to worship. Therefore, if something worships them, they will always have power. So the chaos gods can only die if all worshiping beings in the galaxy die. Uh, that being said, the chaos gods could be present in other galaxies, so they would uh, just be non-existent in uh, the Milky Way. And the next question... Oh, man, I'm sorry, my nose is incredibly itchy. I feel like Matt right now. He's always rubbing his nose. He's always got an itchy nose. Ah, another bulk question from Caddy218. Hey, Luca, some cues for you. Any plans on some Lord of the Rings coverage or Blood Bowl? Uh, or any Blood Bowl coverage anytime? Never seen either of them played. Would really like to. Okay, well, there was a very ambitious plan to get Lord of the Rings up and on the channel. I painted up my Isengard army. Kenny was getting his Goblin Town Goblins going. Steve finishes Rohan. And Josh finished his Azog's Hunters, and nothing really happened. I don't know what happened at all. It was very, we were all very excited. Lord of the Rings Strategy Battle Game is an amazing rule set. Mitch was also involved too, because he, he has a lot of armies. And uh, it just kind of floundered, and we got busy elsewhere. We moved here. I think moving here was one of the biggest factors, because we moved here, and we are still trying to get accustomed to... Like what to do? Like not not what to do here, but to get used to being here. We don't want to, I guess, shake things up too much. Well, maybe it'll come out one day. Blood Bowl is literally Blood Bowl could happen at any point. A collective of us are free, and I know that's just a big tease, essentially. But uh, I would love to do Blood Bowl. At the same time, I would hate to do Blood Bowl because that game frustrates me more than I want to say any other game I've played. I played all the spectrum of like um, online games. I I got very serious. Like. Back in Warcraft 3, I was very serious in Dota. And as I got older, Dota became Dota 2, League of Legends, uh, Heroes of New Earth. Uh, played all of those. Those are heavily frustrating games. Fine. Handled it very very well. Got pretty good at them. And never really got mad at my teammates. Never got mad at my friends. It was great. Second, I played one game of Blood Bowl. The, this toxicity that has never existed comes out of nowhere. And I just... I just can't handle it. It's so bad. It's just, I just don't want to play. One bad thing happens, I want to concede. This game's dumb. I don't want to play anymore. And like, I don't know where that comes from. Any other game, I'm fine. Blood Bowl drives me nuts. But it's also like that double-edged sword because it's just so fun. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I would love to play Blood Bowl, but I would hate to be Blood. I hate to play Blood Bowl because I probably wouldn't even be that fun to watch. I'd just be some sourpuss in the corner and just being a real sore sport in the, in the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, I would love to play Blood Bowl, but at the same time, it's bad. All right, next question here on Streamlabs. Dr. Vulcan, have you talked about the upcoming Age of Sigmar Cities Battle Tome? If so, ignore this. 
else, what are your hopes for it? Um, I didn't, I didn't really dis- I, I did talk about it earlier, but I didn't say what my hopes were for it. Uh, obviously, we're gonna get cities. We're gonna get like Heron Hall. That's the only city I remember. Not Heron Hall. Heron Hall's in Game of Thrones. It's Heldenhammer. No, Heldenhammer is. What is that stupid city called? Oh. Oh, it's this. It's a. It's a giant city. It's like a plain-sized city, and it's got dwarves and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm trying to talk about. It's going to have different cities, uh, like there are different storm hosts, so you're going to have different rules for different cities. You're going to be forced to take certain relics and command traits, and you're going to be forced to take certain... One unique thing I think is going to be with the cities is the cities are going to force you to take certain things. Like, say, this city doesn't actually have any elves in it, so this city you're only allowed to bring humans and dwarves, or this city doesn't actually have any humans in it, so etc, etc. I would expect to see that. I would like to see that. And, of course, um, new battalions that... Obviously, like unified battalions between dwarves, humans, and elves, and I think it's gonna be—I think that's gonna be the book to buy. It's gonna be a very exciting book coming up for Age of Sigmar. All the books for Age of Sigmar have been fun and interesting. This one is going to be above and beyond all that. Now, I could be hyping it up a little too much, but I would be—I am very excited for this book, and I think a lot of you out there who are uh, familiar with the old traditional fantasy kind of um, archetypes should be very excited for this book as well, because you're gonna be able to do a lot of cool stuff with it, especially if they come up with new models for those lines. It's hard to IP, generic dwarf and generic elf, but maybe they'll figure something out. Hammerhall is the city. Hammerhall, thank you, Hall. Jeez, who am I? All right, next question is, Country Gaming ND, again, any thoughts on Battletech Kickstarter success? Um, Battletech has been making a big sway, again, it's coming back uh, in force. I never actually played Battletech when I was younger. This question's better for Matt. Uh, I don't know much about it. I'm, I'm glad it was successful. Uh, more, the more war games, the merrier. The more war games out there, the more they have, uh, the more chance they have of being mainstream, which is always good for war gaming. Uh, but if you want to ask that question to Matt next week, I'm sure he'd have much more insight into it than I do. Or, or if you don't have time to watch it live next week, just leave a comment on the YouTube, not the YouTube video, the mini war gaming video down below after uh, you watch this, and then he'll pick that up. Next question is by Catfish666. Mr. The Dice, how was your vacation? Do anything fun and exciting? Um, I went up north in Ontario, which is uh, always fun and exciting. So up north in Ontario, I think, uh, what is it, like 95% of the population, or maybe even like 98% of the population of Ontario lives in southern Ontario where we all live. And the rest up north is, it's literally just lakes and trees and cottages. So uh, me and my friends, a couple times a year, we usually like to rent, uh, I think it's called the Chalet, where it's just like a really fancy cottage up north. It's like a, it's like a mansion cottage, and it, it rooms like 15 people. Uh, it's obviously very expensive to rent for a week, but when you have 15 people splitting the cost, then it's pretty reasonable. And it's got like pools, access to... It, it's built right on the lake, so the backyard is literally a beach to the lake. They let you rent jet skis, rowboats, paddle boards, uh, and the cottage is like just... It's fitted to entertain, and that's what I love doing. So it's just going up there and spending some time with close friends for an entire week or two. And that's what I did. That's one of my favorite vacations. I love traveling, but traveling can be stressful because you're you're worried about missing out by not seeing everything. And if you don't see something, you're like, oh, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I do that? Now, when you're at the cottage, you're just you're there to fish, you're there to hang out, you're there to hang out by camp, just campfires and stuff like that. And it's just all around pretty fun. It's just quiet. No one is around for kilometers, and there's no light pollution either, so you can see the stars at night. Uh, if you're inter- if you're interested in that sort of thing, fun fact: Ontario has 20% of all of the world's fresh water just in Ontario alone, because it's got so many lakes. It's got over 2,500 lakes, registered lakes. I guess there's probably right. Isn't that interesting? A fun little fact. How do you know that? I looked it up. Yeah, I was curious because you, you, go go to Google Maps right now. Go to Northern Ontario and just. Zoom in and look at all the blue spots. And I was, I, was, I was trying to figure out where we were going. I'm like, wow, there's just so many lakes nearby. I started zooming out a little more. This is literally just all water. Like, is this swampland? No, it's just all lakes. And it's just, it's just. I'm like, I, I was curious, like, how many lakes are in northern Ontario? Oh, that's a lot. And then there's like no, another fact about fresh water. Next question is descent. What do you think the new rule of angel of death that appears in the data sheets on a new model of primaries that seems to be going to replace? Oh, me. Oh. There we go. Yeah, I, I, I actually, where did I hear about this? It's the Angel of Death rule for the Primaris Marines instead of they shall know no fear. Special rule. So, uh, 
crap, was I reading this on an article? I remember someone was telling me about this. Essentially, the, the author of this article or the person that was telling me this, they assumed that they shall know no fear was a rule for the older Marine and the Primaris Marines are going to have Angels of Death now, which is, I have no idea what this rule is going to be. It could literally be, Angels of Death sounds very Blood Angel, that whole drop in from Deep Strike, annihilate everything around you, you're an Angel of Death. Uh, Angel of Death could be any number of things. I have no idea what it's going to be, and I would expect it to see it on the entire Primaris line and have the old Marine line keep the They Shall Know No Fear rule as kind of like uh, a swan song for all of the old Marines that aren't, t- that aren't eligible for the Primaris program or just don't want to do it and they want to live out honorably as a, a normal Space Marine. And uh, I don't think they're making normal tactical Marines anymore. I think any new Marine is just a Primaris Marine and the tactical Marines are honestly a dying breed and that, that's going to be their narrative probably for the rest of the 40k lore upcoming for who knows when. Like, Games Workshops probably wanted to make a new uh, tactical Marine line for a while and they figured why not put a new spin on the lore. I didn't like Primary stuff at first but looking at it in that degree, I'm like, it's, it's definitely one of those um, uh, books are, or like CDs are the best thing ever. CDs are never going to be replaced and all of a sudden you have digital files now and stuff like that. Now CDs are a thing of the past. Same thing with records and it's the same thing for like a, the, the normal Space Marine. They're a thing of the past. The Primary Marine is a new thing but people still love CDs and albums so people can still love their tactical Marines. Which, which Space Marine character would you like to see to get the Primaris treatment? And guys, I only have seven minutes left on this one so if you want to ask any questions now, I'm going to let you do it in the next two minutes, and I'm going to close Streamlabs. I'm going to try and quickly answer the rest of the questions that pop up. Have you... Oh, so what Space Marine character would you like to see get the Primaris treatment? Um, maybe some... Maybe some Space Wolf ones to kind of iron out that whole... Like, I don't I, I don't know how I feel about Space Wolves and Primaris, because Space Wolves have that... I don't know if Space Wolf Primaris are considered veterans or not, because the whole Space Wolf idea is that you start off as a blood claw, and then you wake you work you wake you work your way up to a veteran, which is like wolf guard or a wolf scout, and it's a very it's a very respected tradition. Now, if a Primaris Marine is added to the Space Wolf, then is he an automatic veteran? Does he have to skip that whole process, or does he start off as a blood claw and does he and then does he work his way up to become a Primaris intercessor? Is that what they do? I don't know. I don't I don't know if the Space Wolves and the Primaris are like a, a thing that makes sense. Yeah. So I would like to see maybe a Space Wolf character become Primaris to kind of like say like the Primaris are okay and we can we can figure out how to make this work. I don't know. Um, does it matter which one? Not really. Or maybe just like any named characters from any other chapters that'd be cool because we have Marnus Calgar who went Primaris but he's got obviously a lot of influence from Gilliman maybe saying like why don't you try it out? That'd be cool. Just completely augment your body. It's fine my dude. Just do that. Maybe a Blood Angel one, Dark Angel one. I actually, I'm not really too excited, I guess. I'd just be curious to see if they did more. Or if they're just going to release new named characters that are Primaris. Or are they just going to keep Primarising old characters like Astrath Primaris. Or like Gabriel Seth Primaris. Or is he dead? No, probably not. Just like any character as a Primaris. Or are they just going to release new Primaris characters that are just coming up in new books and stuff like that? Could be like that. Have I heard about Frostgrave by Mr. Bacon72? I bought the rule book recently and I'm enjoying the feel of it so far. I've heard, I've heard of Frostgrave, never played it, heard it's really good though. Um, I heard that from Steve who was really into Frostgrave and he said, oh, you would totally like Frostgrave. So I took his word for it and I, I assume I'd really like Frostgrave. He said it's very similar to Mordheim, but I've never actually played it. The next question is by Catfish. So I'm closing the Streamlabs now because I've run out of time to answer more questions. I'm going to try and get through the rest of them just so I serve everyone. Uh, which faction in Age of Sigmar would you like to see an updated Battle Tome and Model Line? Okay, well that's easy. I would like to see... That was much harder than I thought. Uh, geez. I'll come back to this one. Let me think. Oh man. It's, it's, an easy, it's an easy answer. What would I like to see get a new, new Model Line? Nighthaunt. No, Nighthaunt brand new. You don't like Nighthaunt? I love them. That's why I want to see more. Oh, more Nighthaunt. There we go. Okay, that's fair. An old oh so obviously I would like to see a new Beast Claw Raider book and I would like to see Beast Claw Raiders get more. That's that's one. And then Iron Jaws, of course. So Beast Claw Raiders and Iron Jaws surprise is destruction. Destruction needs more. The game, Age of Sigmar is a great game, but it's seriously lacking in that whole 25% of like it's literally missing 
25% of what it could potentially be. Like death, order, and chaos are very fleshed out right now. Let's just get like five destruction books and get them in the game. And then destruction can be like, destruction used to be the end all be all in Age of Sigmar. I remember the old destruction Legion's ability was like bonkers good. It was like way over the top good. It was even better than the Beast Claw Raider Legion's ability. And they were one of the first books that got an Allegiance ability up with Sylvanath. Um, I'm very happy to see them updating these old battle tomes. I know that, oh, so I actually, I think they, that's what the other battle tome was. It was Cities of Sigmar and the uh, orc, orc Tribes. It was like the Iron Jaws and the Bone Splitters, Bone Splitters uh, combined into one book. That's what it was, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, they're getting a new book already. So I'd like to see the Beast Claw Raiders get a new book because the Ogres are already getting a new book. So when the Iron Jaws and the Ogres and if the Beast Claw Raiders got a new book, then we'd have a much better fleshed out destruction army list. And then we'd have the Goblins in line with that too. And then maybe throw in one completely new book and then we're looking good for Age of Sigmar. And then, I mean, at some point, they're going to have to stop releasing armies because they can't have like 40 armies in Age of Sigmar. They're going to have to have, that's just too much, right? They, I mean, I guess they could, but they've never done that before. They usually kind of hover around like, what, 15 to 20 unique armies for a game system, and then they kind of flesh out those lines. So maybe they don't have that much more room to release destruction stuff. Dr. Bolton said the new Ogre book coming out has Beast Claw Raider models in it as well. Ah, so is that what they're doing then? Are they making the Ogre book a combined Beast Claw Raider? See, I didn't know that. That kind of makes sense. Uh, it, so the Ogre book is essentially a remade Beast Claw Raider book, but with Ogre tribes in it as well. I can see that. Which is actually a good idea. That's what they're doing across the board. So I, I, I fully support that. Uh, then, oh, hello. The next question. Oh, never mind. I'm doing the wrong thing. Sorry, I'm a fool. Next one. There is a warlord trait on Space Marines called Angel of Death that gives plus one leadership in close combat. Yeah, it's true. I don't think that's what the Angels of Death will be, though. I think it's going to be something completely different. And it had to be pretty good, too, because They Shall Know No Fear was pretty... Well, I guess literally anything would be better. They shall know no fear. It comes up a good amount of times, but not enough to be a good army rule. The next question is from Country Gaming ND again. Have you ever thought of using some of the cat riders from Mantic in an Age of Sigmar army? If so, what? I have not, because I'm not too familiar with what the cat riders are. Are they big enough to act as Dracolines? Because that's the only thing I can think of that's a cat in Age of Sigmar is the Stormcast General Dracolines. Because none of the other armies ride cats. But I have not thought of doing that. But I'm not too familiar with what they might be. Now I've got... Hey, look at that. I'm doing pretty good here. I got... Oh, actually, I had to finish answering Caddy218's question. So I had somehow skipped... I didn't skip it. I just didn't finish it. My mind got distracted and I went completely elsewhere. So he was the one, or they were the one, that asked... um, any plans on Lord of the Rings coverage or Blood Bowl? And then I went on my Blood Bowl tangent, and then I just stopped answering his questions because he had a couple more. Uh, is there a full army showcase of your Necrons? Would like to start collecting some Xenos at some point, and Necrons might be the way forward. I only have about 7,000 points of Necrons, so it's not that sizable of a force. It's just, it's okay. It's got what I need. But even, even at 7,000 points, I find myself saying, oh, I could really use two more of these. I could use more of that. And I just don't really feel like building and painting anything new for my Necrons as of right now, so I haven't added them. Um, if you go to... The website and go check out why I the why I love series. There was a Necron series where I talked about why I love the Necrons. I had my full collection in combination with Steve's full collection and the studio's collection of Necrons. I think it numbered somewhere around like forty thousand or fifty thousand points. No, maybe it wasn't that much. Maybe it was like thirty four. It was like thirty to thirty five thousand points. So go check that out if you want some Necro like uh, some sight into what a big Necron army looks like. If you want to collect thirty thousand points of Necrons. Uh, lastly, any chance of an apocalypse-sized Age of Sigmar game, 5,000 points plus? I've been thinking about this. I've been wanting to do this for the bit. For a bit, they have a Gathering of Might, I believe, is what it's called. It's a very simplified version of Age of Sigmar, where if one thing's in combat, then the entire unit gets to attack, which makes hordes even more powerful. So something like 40 skeletons who have five attacks each, well, that's 200 attacks. Wait, did I do that right? Yeah, yeah, 200 attacks. Nice, good job. So 200 attacks in one go. And that's just, all you have to do is get one skeleton in range, and they hit on threes, wound on fours with 200 attacks. And then something like Liberators, you have 30 Liberators, they're not going to really die that much, but you get one in range, and all of a sudden, that's 60 attacks from Liberators, and that's just a big unit that's probably never going to die. Even worse so for Sequidors, we get to reroll saving throws. Um, it's just, it's, it's just things don't really, I guess, I don't know, I've never played it, but it, it seems silly, but I'd love to play it. I would love to try it. And then lastly, 
One more question from Arkham Hero. Hey, Mr. Zadice, what Space Marine chapter would you like to see get some exclusive units for 40k and a codex? Mm. I don't really know the successor chapters that well. I'm going to say, I know Blood Ravens are already getting one, and I know the Crimson Fists are getting one. Oh, no, the Crimson Fists already had one, and I think they have an amazing chapter trait. Uh, they get plus one to hit things if they're outnumbered. That's amazing. Their Space Marines are always outnumbered. Um, I would like to see... I'm curious what the Blood Ravens are going to get. That's the only other chapter I can think of off the top of my, my mind that is a successor that has some main coverage in the lore and story. And it was there, if you're not familiar with what the Blood Ravens are, they're the Dawn of War chapter from the video game. Uh, they're, they showed them off in a white dwarf. They showed off. I think, in fact, I think they showed their rules off, and I can't quite remember what they are. I'll go with the Blood Ravens because I can't remember what they are. Now I do have to sign off there, guys, and I want a couple of reminders that uh, next week's sit and talk is Matt's. So you have to leave questions for him at the bottom of the mini wargaming video. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to mini wargaming instead and leave a comment there to answer them. Otherwise, the comments on YouTube will be disabled. And Tomorrow is Chris's painting auxilium, where you can ask him questions and watch him paint uh, during his show. And uh, Chris is always very insightful when it comes to painting questions, and he can always give you a good answer. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, well, actually most of the time, it's always more than you ask for. Yeah, it's like, Chris, how do I paint the eyes on this one guy? What color would you suggest? Well, see, if you do these 82 layers and then highlight 52 times over here, then you'll get the result you're looking for. I'm like, wow, thanks. That's exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, and of course, thank you for coming by for this sit and talk because I really do appreciate the show. I find it a lot of fun and uh, I, can, I can do this for a very long time. Uh, as long as I had the questions to answer, I could, I could literally talk forever. I could literally talk forever. I could, I could do this for the, I could do this like all day. I could do this for eight hours a day. I would be more than happy to do that. Once a, once a week, an eight hour sit and talk show? Sure, why not? That'd be great. That'd be super fun. Anyways, guys, as always, I'll see you next time. Matthew next week. Chris tomorrow. Happy Wargaming. <laughs>